You're listening to episode 42 of the Propaganda Report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley. On today's episode, we take a look at the Democrats' millennial Obama, the Georgia congressional candidate in the 6th District, John Ossoff. We look at his deep state connections, particularly his mysterious father, who Ossoff is never pictured with, never mentions, and until you do a deep internet search on, seemingly doesn't even exist. There are a couple of technical glitches in the show because we recorded this via live stream on YouTube for the first time, but otherwise everything went smoothly. Here's Monica. This is Monica Perez here with Brad Binkley, and this is the first time ever live broadcast of the Propaganda Report. You can check it out on my YouTube page, my Facebook page, and we're going to try to do this as a regular thing. So put it on your schedule. Hello? Yep, I'm hearing a total echo because we are having technical difficulties on our first live. That's how we start our first live. <laughs> That's how it is. I don't know if anybody else can hear it, <laughs> but uh, I'm completely hearing. So uh, hopefully this works. If We're going to roll with it anyway for the first time. Yeah, double check. Make sure you don't have uh, YouTube or um, or Facebook open. You might be hearing the stream from both. Me? I don't have anything. I believe it's the deep state causing our problems right now, not wanting us to get our message out. That could be it. We have been censored in the past. So I think our problems problems are solved, but uh, I I no longer have a problem with this. But that'll just give everybody a chance to find where you want to listen to this first ever live broadcast of the Propaganda Report. And I think we're going to start with a local story that has national implications. So on June 12th is the runoff of District 6, the congressional district, freed up by Tom Price, who became the Health and Human Services Secretary or Director in Trump's administration, left an open space in uh, Georgia. It, they say they didn't really think it was a super vulnerable spot, but the whole liberal establishment, let's say, has converged on Georgia to promote a young candidate, John Ossoff, who used to work for Hank Johnson of flipping Guam over fame. I don't know if people know that story. It's so truly, it's so funny. Um, uh, But uh, the congressman that this guy worked for uh, actually in Congress asked if there was any chance that putting soldiers on Guam might tip the island over. So this is John, a part of John Ossoff's <laughs> credentials, his resume, and uh, and he's um, running against Karen Handel. Uh, there there were, according to our friend Garland Favrito and VoterGA.org, some irregularities in the original vote. I don't know if uh, there's uh, um, if that's going to happen again. I know that Garland suggested people write in their uh, ballots, absentee ballots. He felt was a more sure way to get your vote counted. I trust him. So I would look at that stuff, VoterGA.org, for his advice. But uh, there's a national element to this in that I believe that there is a concerted effort across the country 
whether it was a an whether Trump was secretly supported by the likes of Jeff Zucker at CNN, uh, who gave him all billions of dollars of free media just to generate a backlash, or if this is the answer to the Democrats' dream, but the reality is there's a backlash, a brewing that could flip these districts that were traditionally Republican to Democrats. So this guy, John Ossoff, is kind of uh, the, the biggest story in the country in this theme, from what I can tell. And, and his, uh, his, the significance of his run is not only, I think, this national uh, turning red states blue kind of thing, but he seems to have some shady, maybe even deep states, and I'm talking about real deep state, like above and beyond parties, or even just uh, a very deep liberal establishment connection, young guy. And Binkley, I know you have done a lot of uh, a lot of research on this guy dug in a little bit. So, uh, first of all, how are you doing, Binkley? <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I I, uh, I feel like feel like I'm colluding with Russia because you are working against the Democrat. Yeah, I'm working against the Democrats. I'm looking into John Ossoff. I feel like I'm carrying on Putin's work right now. And you're battling the deep state, which has been redefined as Obama holdovers. Which just, yes. uh, I, I cannot reiterate enough how much I absolutely, it makes me crazy that deep state, fake news, the resistance, all of these good handles that we owned are getting uh, uh, commercialized and neutralized by the mainstream media. So anyway, the, the real deep state goes beyond parties. But this guy actually seems to fall into the new deep state definition of, uh, of the Obama camp. Is that not right? Yeah, I think he might have a little bit of both. I, I think his family roots might go even deeper. At least that's what I found when I when I discovered it. The, the thing but, about John, yeah, Ossoff let's, let's start from scratch. Yeah, is as you said, he's running in the the sixth district against Karen Handel. He's thirty year old guy. He, he he's basically the white millennial Obama. And he regurgitates Bernie Sanders' campaign talking points. That, and he is, what is his background in Atlanta? He is from Atlanta, correct? Oh, he's from Atlanta, and he grew up in the sixth district, as as he tells everybody in his in his uh, very empty campaign messages. But <laughs> he went, he didn't exactly grow up in the Atlanta that most Atlanteans know. He he went to what's called the, I believe you pronounce it, Pidea Pi, School. Which I never is, heard of that. Which I hadn't either. Yeah. It's an independent school, not a private school. It's an independent school. That they say the difference, according to what I could find online, is that usually private schools have some sort of uh, religious factor that kind of controls the curriculum and everything. The independent schools is just – or the rich people that are on the board of trustees that pick the curriculum, and they study stuff like – I believe at his school, UN simulation is something that you study in the seventh grade. Oh, yeah. They, well, they used to have like Model Congress, then they had Model UN. I remember that as a program. But I, I just want to go on the record to say that I think that a distinction like independent versus private is really just to try to not make rich people, you know, liberal rich people sound like they went to a private school, you know, like Exeter or whatever. Right. You know, I think they're creating that distinction when there isn't really a difference. 
Well, I found it interesting because this school, the elementary kids, they have to pay $20,000 a year per tuition, and middle school and high school are $23,000 per year, which when you add that up to a Georgetown University education and a London School of Business education, you get a pretty pricey cost for sending your child to school. So It's amazing to exactly. how much private school costs. I mean, it's just it's staggering. Right. These independent schools, only the... One percent of Georgia students went to those schools, were able to get selected because they can discriminate against anybody they want in their selection process, according to what it says on the independent school wiki page, that they have complete power over who, who goes to these schools and who doesn't. And based on the tuition and those criteria, the top one percent of income earners, I'm guessing, are the ones that went there. So I find it interesting that he's campaigning as a Democrat in Bernie Sanders style Yet he is one of the top 1% who was able to get well, into this. You know what's interesting school. to me? There's this false, I consider it to be a false meme that, uh, I mean, the facts are, I think, true, which is poorer states tend to be Republican and richer states tend to be Democrat. And Democrats throw that out there as being, you know, how stupid are these Republican voters who vote against their own interests? They're, they're voting against welfare. And, uh, and, and I dug in a little bit, I have the, I did a long time ago, but I remember the conclusion that I came to was the rich states are Democrat states because they're driven by cronyism. So if you have a bunch of New York lawyers living in New Jersey or Connecticut or whatever, they want tons and tons of, or any lawyers from, from your own state, they want lots and lots of regulation. If you have if you have investment banks, bankers, you want to make sure there's regulations that keep competitors out of your industry. So for me, the idea that Democrats should be, you know, really care about the little guys, it's almost like they're just, it's that barbell thing where they have the, the, they're kind of paying the poor people for their votes and using it to make sure that their power and their money are entrenched as part of the system of privilege that I think government now represents. Yeah, it's kind of a way to block all the other people out. And and just make sure that the money flows through the government because they're the ones with their hand in that stream of money. It's not the little uh, piddly stuff that the voters are going to get, you know, with their hand in the stream of money. It's the big, big dollar items from government contracts or regulations or all that kind of stuff. So I just, I don't think it's as contradictory to be a Democrat, it's just these limousine liberals aren't in it because they're enlightened. I think they're in it because they actually benefit. Yeah, and I, like I saw a, a campaign commercial I, I was watching earlier where it was a bunch of moms saying that what they wanted for Mother's Day was for you to vote for John Ossoff. And a, a, <laughs> a bunch of them said because he's going to help fix the public school system. And I'm like, this guy hasn't had a day of experience in the public school system. Oh, at yeah. any point in his life. It's just like those guys who go to D.C., Obama. I, I was always really, like, couldn't get my mind around the hypocrisy of them saying they were egalitarian and did not like privilege, and then they always, always send their kids to these elite schools, from which I think John Taylor Gatto said 80% of the senators went to these five schools in D.C. They, they just, they're just a feeder for people to... For the rulers, yeah. for the ruling elite. And then they say, well, my children are, are in danger, so we have to – well, then homeschool them. You know what I mean? Just homeschool them. 
Yeah, take him to a bunker and get him away from us. Yeah, I mean, they're in danger because you people, you know, are uh, people don't hate you for no reason. All right, so I want to play you a clip just to kind of give you an idea of, of what he sounds like. And then I want to talk about his his business, which is something that he, he talks a lot about on the campaign trail. And I want to talk about his parents, specifically his father, which is very difficult to find information about. But before going into that, just, just listen to how he speaks. It's so – he's obviously been in training deep in his voice like Obama. To, to take on the same cadence as Obama, to, to have the same, you know, just forthright, just upfront. And when you, when you watch him specifically, I recommend going to his YouTube page and watching some of his videos. His hand movements are so deliberate and uh, rehearsed. He's like a robot. I've never seen someone with such robotic movements. Yeah, they really do train. I mean, everybody gets, I, I've never had media training, but I know people have said if you're going to do, if you're going to be on TV, like as a special guest or whatever, they give you media training. And I'm sure these guys get tons and tons of media training. I mean, this guy is a, is a, is a creation of the national Democrat establishment. They are putting possibly in a lab. This kid could have been made in a lab. <laughs> he was grown in a pod. It would not surprise <laughs> me. One of his, one of his commercials, it reminds me of that movie Talladega Nights when he keeps raising his hand into the camera frame because he doesn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Like, all right, so here's the – now, the audio on this isn't great. But it just gives you an idea of how kind of robotic he is. Hey, y'all. This is John Ossoff here in Georgia. I'm incredibly excited to be joined today by none other than Jason Kand, who is doing amazing work uh, based in Missouri and across the country to protect voting rights, um, which are under attack in this country. And he's down here to help us register some voters and let folks know how they can vote early in absentee. Well, you can be now in the last, you know, where we got it's Wednesday, actually, it's not that he raised county, but six and a half weeks to go, and so May 30th. Now, I don't know if you noticed Dude, it. But- I totally noticed it. He obviously was imitating Obama, but he's so young and white, it just sounds stupid. Right. And his voice, if you listen to some of these old, older videos of him, you know, his voice isn't that deep. He, no, he's like and a little he, kid. It's weird. Trying to, try, trying to talk like this and get folks to come out and knock on some doors and bring some donuts to the campaign. I mean, he does this in all of his videos. It's almost uncomfortable to watch some of them. But he's promoting these empty terms uh, of progressivism, and, and people are just going crazy because they've put this $8 million into his campaign, <laughs> predominantly from, Wash- from uh, not Washington, from California celebrities, that people are just – they're eating it up. I so, wasn't even crazy about Obama when he people were like, was it Chris Matthews? He said a chill ran up his leg. It was like, really? Because the guy speaks clearly? Like, are you a racist that you, you're surprised this guy can speak clearly? Yeah, what a you know? yeah. <laughs> it was outrageous, I actually thought. But uh, yeah, this is, so I never was blown away. But this guy, it's actually kind of, I think the word might be cloying. And I and anybody who is swooning, it seems to me, has just uh, you know on a on a psychological trip generated by this artificial enthusiasm. Maybe they put mushrooms in the water in the sixth district. <laughs> I don't think that would do it. I think then you'd see the reality. <laughs> okay, so this guy, one of his main things is he's a small business owner. 
That's 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 one of the things he he runs uh, a business. Claim to fame is that he's a small business owner, even though he worked for Hank Johnson. Like, where where did he squeeze all that in? Exactly. When did he have the time? It, it here's what it says on his website. He went to graduate school, right? He went to Georgetown, then he went to the London School of Economics. Yeah, I think I think he has a couple of degrees. Okay. He just got out of school yesterday. He's yeah, already started. I mean, I went to school until I was twenty eight. I didn't have time to start a business. All right, where's his? Uh, Trying to find the all right. His website says that he is a small business owner, an entrepreneur, and an executive who you know knows how to do his tax filings, knows how to do payroll, knows how to do all those small things that small business owners have to do on a daily basis. So he can understand them and help implement policies that's gonna help the small business owner in Georgia, bring jobs to Georgia, you know, uh yeah. future investments and he's speaks and speaks a lot about technology. So I started looking into that business because he's, he does investigative journalism. They make documentaries exposing corruption at the and highest does, level. So he does, he makes the documentary and then he goes and does the books. He does the actual accounting. I mean, that's what you just said. Like yeah, he, he knows everything. how to do all that stuff while he's working for Hank Johnson and go to school. I mean, only because how much time yeah. did this guy have between graduating from college when did he hey. become a filmmaker between that time? While also being the accountant. You know what I'm saying? That it seems kind of like So <laughs> I, I looked up his IMDb page because as soon as they said documentary filmmaker, I'm kind of like, okay, right, let, me, let me go look at his IMDb page. So it says he's the executive producer. So I know what that means. Executive producer. Money. Yeah, it means you put money into it. They, they make it sound like on his campaign trail that he's the guy getting down and dirty, you know, going into right. uh, sex trafficking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not doing any of that. So, because no, Steve Mnuchin or Mnuchin or whatever they call him, the Secretary of the Treasury, was the executive producer of my favorite movie of the year, Central Intelligence with The Rock. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. It's so hilarious. And so I'm watching the credits. And it's Steve Mnuchin, Mnuchin is the executive producer. Like, really, he was, he's getting into the, you know, maybe it was his idea to give Rock, The Rock a fanny pack. I don't know. But, yes, that's when it was Perhaps. clear. There's nothing there but money. Well, here's the story behind that business. They, again, they make it sound like he, he's an entrepreneur that built this business up who does all the day-to-day stuff and also gets down and dirty, does the investigative film work. The reality about this business is that it's not even located in Georgia, nor is it located in the United States. It is located in the United Kingdom. And it's been, it, it wasn't founded by him. It was founded by a former BBC radio and television host named, what's his name? His na- I'll put his name in the show notes. Well, let's just, oh, his name- can I just point out? Ron McCullough. Ron McCullough. Okay, that the BBC is owned by the British government and was created by the War Department of England. So I know you think that right. England basically still runs the world, and I, yes. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Like, I don't, I'm not sure, but probably. And so, so whenever I see um, these connections back to England, the London School of Economics, or the BBC, or whatever, it's just one little, you know, bead in the jar of, hmm, deep state, you know? Yeah, <laughs> See? exactly. So, keep so, going, sorry. All right, so he, the, that company, which he, they make it sound like he founded and built up, was 
originally founded in 1991 under a different name, but the, the Insight TWI LTD, which is the name of the company, was founded in 1991 in the United Kingdom by a guy named Ron McCullough, who's that uh, former BBC radio television reporter. And Ron McCullough met he, he met this guy when he was in school at the London School of Business. And, and mind you, he's talking about bringing jobs back to Georgia. The only jobs he's created – I mean, they were already there to begin with. They were already created, and they're not going to people in Georgia. The company's located in London. He's not creating jobs in Georgia. Right. So That's good. That's a good catch. So he – in 2013, because he met this guy while he was in school at the London School of Business, and they got to talk. I'm sure his – he probably has some sort of connections with his family if I had to guess. But after he graduated, um, at some point in time, his grandfather died. His family is loaded. And he got a big inheritance from his grandfather, and he took Asa. some of that. Yeah, Asa yeah. Did. And he took some of that money, and, and he and he, you know, put that money into into this business, and he bought like half of it. So he shares ha- He owns half of it with this guy, and all of the money from from that came from his grandfather's inheritance. So him building up this business, and you know, doing the day to day stuff, scrap by like the. <laughs> grungy businessman filmmaker is just total bull right yes i actually knew some people in investment banking who were you know just like steve munition they were they were filmmakers it's like no you have so much money it's overflowing and you want to get more by investing it and you want a little piece of whatever cultural like implications there are you either want to be able to rub elbows with hollywood or in this case it yeah. seems like he wants political capital from his association exactly. with this stuff not to mention that any document documentary documentary or any of that kind of stuff that i mean anything that hits the mainstream or gets validated by the mainstream to me it's very hard for me to even believe it's true so like, yeah. it's not just pure propaganda. So what, right. when I saw that, I thought, oh, he makes propaganda. It, yeah, I completely agree. And I think the reason he got into this business specifically is so that he could say, I fight corruption through investigative journalism. And film. <laughs> yeah. When in reality, it's I'm, I ride on the back of corruption. <laughs> to change policy that will benefit me and my family. Right, exactly. So I think that's important for anybody who is considering voting for Ossoff. You know, I'm not promoting Karen Handel or anything. I, I think they're all corrupt, like, like you. But this guy is not creating jobs in Georgia. He's never created a job in Georgia. His company, he didn't build it up from the ground. He bought into an already established company that was started in 1991. It's based in England. And most of the money that came into it through the financials, almost all of it, was completely foreign money. Well, Oh, yeah, that's interesting. But you know what I thought was very interesting about um, one of the articles you sent me or or non-articles you sent me, I don't know, was, so I was telling you, I mentioned earlier, when I look, when I see people coming out of England, I sometimes wonder, especially just that George Soros thing was weird, like you had a professor there, and then all of a sudden he gets super rich, front-running the government of England, and, and he said the reason he wanted to get rich was to implement the social ideas of his LSE boss. And to me, that was just like, okay, they helped you get rich, so that you could be a front man. I think maybe Bill Gates is like that, too. So you could take the money 
and shape the world with that money. So, so I yeah. when it goes back to England, um, you like to talk about the Chatham House. That used to be the Royal Institute of International Affairs. That was the kind of mother that spawned the Council on Foreign Relations. It does all go back to England. So when, so there was a really weird thing I thought. I was trying to figure out Neil Gorsuch, who Rand Paul endorsed as the Supreme Court Justice. The conservatives loved him. I wanted to love him. I just, you know, I like to start out from a position of positivity, even though I always end up being like, ugh, not another one. So it ended up, he was a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, this Gorsuch guy. So I really wanted to dig into his connections. And then I saw, I saw that his wife was British, or he met his wife, I think, at Oxford or something. So I thought, well, who is she? You know, what is her background? Um, what kind of policies or whatever position might her family have been in historically promoted and i simply could not find her maiden name i could not find her maiden name it was so frustrating and unusual i mean normally there's a formula on wikipedia you they have the names of the parents the spouse the um maiden you know it's just very it's just a regular formula and what you told me about asaf uh, I thought it was the only other instance where I thought there was a glaring omission on the wiki site. That's what made me really suspicious of him at first is on the wiki site, it tells you Ossoff's mother, Heather Fenton, an Australian immigrant, co-founded New Power Pact, which, by the way, is a super PAC. And Ossoff talks about in his campaign commercials about how he's going to get dark money out of politics. His mom started a foundation that works with dark money. <laughs> and like Australia, I mean, you might look into her background because if you go to Australia, oh, you'll, you'll find it's quite British. She also went to the London School of Economics. Yeah, it's very, it's much more British than we are. And they don't yeah. get insulted by it. Like, like, don't call them British. Like, no, they are like part of the Commonwealth. They are okay. It seems that Australian people I talk to have seemed to have a much stronger connection to England. And what's really funny to me is that with Australia and England, basically, like we're all in this, this welfare state. We have the same policies you see the gay marriage thing popping up, the same kind of welfare. They are trying so hard to get us to take the last two steps, which is, you know, socialized medicine, obviously. And We're everybody is right. there. And Gender guns. fluid, everybody. So, but the, um, the funny thing to me is that we actually fought a revolution and fell on our swords literally for the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and we basically have the exact same governments as these as these me- still members of the Commonwealth. Like, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? They, we still have like virtually like 37% tax rate. You know, the actual tax collection is almost <laughs> right. identical across the board. You know what I'm saying? Like, they maybe we have some rights that are unique but not not too many and the ones that we have are eroding i just think it's funny like we fight these revolutions we fight the civil war to end slavery like we fight these wars and we always end up at the same place that everybody else ended up without fighting a war right they just get people distracted by focusing on you know what they dislike about what the other person's doing and how the perfect solution is going to come from this part or that party yeah, and the, and the American experiment basically, you know, to the extent some people think the American experiment 
was hijacked by England, you know, basically when Alexander Hamilton fought yeah. for the Constitution to replace the Articles of Confederation, and the proof is in the pudding that the experiment, while it did, I think, last a uh, rather long time, I don't, I don't think there's much of a difference anymore. But anyway, that's, I guess, a topic for another time. But I did think it was weird that Ossoff's dad was the only other person I had ever seen not mentioned by name in Wikipedia, which is when you said, like, that, maybe that's, like, the, a flag that the guy's a spook. Yeah, that's why I started research. Like, this is what it says about his father on Wikipedia. His father, who was of Russian, Jewish, and uh, Russian, by the way, Russian, Jewish, and <laughs> Lithuanian Jewish descent, owns a specialist publishing company. And then it doesn't say anything else. What is so that? It, uh, it's called Stratford. What is, what is that? Well, they, from what I understand, they publish specialized information. And in regards to like healthcare, like lawsuits, uh, litigation, legal uh, litigation, and here's what I found on that company. That company trains people on how to like handle witnesses in in trial. And I found a guy who I found a guy who trains people in the FBI and trains people in the CIA. That's his job. He trains them to like handle witnesses and like uh, other stuff according to his website. His training came from Ossoff's father's company. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm. Um, another thing about <laughs> yeah, another thing about Ossoff's father, their company is real. It's real confusing when you go to the website. Yeah. But in 2013, the World Investigates Foundation was started was uh, import, not incorporated, but it's a domestic nonprofit that was formed in Georgia. And the principal address of it is Ossoff's parents' house. And the CEO listed is Ossoff himself and his father. And that company is now connected to, TW, to Insight TWI. So what that does is that makes it seem like in, Insight TWI is, has like an office located in Atlanta. All right, you're going too fast for me. What is Insight TWI? Is that his I'm documentary sorry. filmmaking it's, company? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, then I say the that. original thing that's domiciled at his parents' house is called what? Is called the World Investigates Foundation. Oh, that's what TWI is. Yes, well, and that, but that's that what was right. TWI, the one that the the guy in London, oh, it's a foundation. Uh, that's usually in, a tax scam. Exactly. That that's that's <laughs> what I'm Yes. So it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's so great. I'm so glad he's here because it's your money. Right. Because it's your money. It's, it's all going to get scammed. Right. That's, that's the thing that just cracks me up. When he said, I, I really did not want to get into like, oh, I don't like this guy. I don't care. I mean, I, I, I don't think, I, I think it's all hope is lost for our system of government anyway. But this guy, when he says, you know, because it's your money and I, I care about it, it's it's just not believable. Like the, the number one thing a politician has to be able to do is lie convincingly. Yes. Like he's just not good enough a liar yet. He needs more lying training. Yes. Because he's no, you're, lying, you're right about that. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't care about your money unless it's going to facilitate his money, you know, like I'm not even saying like right now he's a corrupt guy is trying to do that. He probably he might not even know. He might he, actually think that he's just that being a politician is an okay thing to do. And if he just does what he's supposed to do, well, he'll probably make out. But he's really fighting for the little guy. He he might smoke his own Kool Aid. I mean, that is possible, probable. That's possibly. the first step to being a good liar, too. Yeah, he's an up and coming liar. Is what he is. He's you know. 
I heard an interview with a guy who said he was in one of the training sessions to teach Bill Clinton how to lie. And they said, (laughs) yeah, that's funny. And he, and, and I met, I've met people, Bill Clinton, John Edwards, uh, George Bush, W, um, every single one of those guys, I knew people, I had long conversations with people who knew them personally or met them. Every one of them said the exact same thing. When you meet this guy, I mean, you really understand he's sincere. Like he really cares about you. So charming. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, that's what a politician is. That's the only criteria. That's so their I, skill. Yeah. yeah and, and what they taught Bill Clinton, what this guy said he taught Bill Clinton, I think it was in the Clinton Chronicles, which you can get on YouTube. What he taught, said he taught him was, or that he was taught, was that in order to lie properly, you must believe the lie, which I remember from when I was like seven, you know, did you break that? No. It's like, you didn't break that. I saw you break it. I didn't. I I, learned to do. I must've been in a fugue state because I don't remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's what actors do. Okay. Cause you're in. Yeah. yeah. When you, you take on a role that, you know, if you believe it, it. you you live it, then, you know, it's going to be more convincing. Another thing, uh, another thing about that company, the world investigates is, it, it wasn't created the year that it was created in 2013. That was the year that Ossoff, John Ossoff, that's the year that he bought into this other company. So that was specifically created that year. Yeah, oh, good to one. Connect to that company. And his that's dad, yeah. So, all right. So here's the thing about his dad, right? Well, I already told you about his mom. His mom started the super PAC and, you know, she also was a consultant. She went to the London School of Economics as well. She works for the Fenton Group, which I've done a little research on the Fenton Group, which her, her family's name is Fenton. And there's so many incorporated companies that come up. Uh, that's why I started to wonder about whether or not these businesses are being set up as, as like as tax fronts, because some of them are, a lot of them are um, nonprofits. So they're very good at nonprofits. Now, Ossoff's dad, one of the things that he does through that, through that company, Stratford, is he teaches webinars to corporations and whoever, whoever can afford it, on how to understand and make the most beneficial choices within the tax code. So I take that as like a Trump, I know how to game the system type thing the more I read into his website. Like he's an expert at understanding and teaching people how to, how to use the tax code to their advantage. You know, that's funny because <clears throat> that – I reminds me of when I my church uh, in Atlanta. They would they got up like they were begging for money for Catholic charities, and what they said was one of the things we do is help people get on welfare. So the church actually called me, and I'm sure every single other personal parishioner personally, and said, "Do you will you give to this whatever we're fundraising for Catholic charities?" I said, "Absolutely not," because you teach people how to get on welfare which is wrong. And so after that, they took that part out of the speech, even though I know Catholic charities continue. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I personally like morally in that case, I object. Now I don't morally object to teaching people how to avoid taxes because the fewer, the fewer taxes the government gets, the fewer people, beautiful little babies will be drawn to death. So I'm okay with the point. You know, I actually wonder morally if I should, uh, if if paying taxes is like the wrong thing to do, like if I have to face St. Peter and it's like, why did you keep paying for all that 
stealing and killing. I'm like, well, I didn't want trouble. You know, it's like, no, you should have had a tax protest and gone to jail for it. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I, I don't, I actually think it's morally wrong. I'm more sure it's morally wrong to pay taxes than it, uh, it is to evade them. However, hypocrisy is like the only real crime of a liberal that's because it's subjective, you know, like obey your own rules, you know, right. there yeah. are no other rules, right? It's just do what you want. So at least if you have your own personal rules, you should obey them. His original campaign slogan was make Trump furious. And one of Trump's things that people get mad about is show me your taxes because Trump knows how to game the system. And it starts to look like when you dig into this guy's father that this is something that they can probably outdo Trump at. They can outdo Yeah, they made Trump. a business of it. They made right. a business of it. So now his father, when you look up his father, like if you type in John Ossoff and his dad or, or John Ossoff with his dad, you know how it says that in the caption of images and stuff? Yeah. Like if you, you try to find an image of his dad at any of the campaign stuff, you can't find anything. Unless you figure out what his name is, you can't find anything on how his How did dad. you figure out what his name was? Hey, admin, get off the pool table. Get out. I'm sorry. My dog jumped on the pool table. <laughs> he's like a he's like a high jumper, this dog. He just leaped up on a pool a great table. Dane. Yeah, I guess. He's I guess he's gonna chill out and nap up there. Um sorry. He uh what was your question again? Well, how did you figure out his name? I, I just kept doing a bunch of different random searches and I would I would switch the time of the I would make it between like 2002 and 2014 so that all the recent stuff with yes. Ossoff wouldn't show yes, up. And it is, they are systematically removing that search engine feature. I actually, uh, have you noticed that they are systematically removing that? So you have to go, there's like some weird little search engine place. I go to like do dates. Yeah. You can't do it on your phone at all. No, but and you, I don't think you can do it on Google or Yahoo anymore. You can do it on Could Google. You? Yeah, but half the time on Google, it's still the stuff that's still current still still shows yeah. up. It's yeah. messed up. Yeah. So I I was like, there's something weird about this guy's dad because, like you said, when they don't provide information, so, yeah, but they did weird. they did say he was still around. They made it seem as though he wasn't around or he wasn't alive. But then I found a few articles that said he is still, you know, his parents still live together. They're married. I'm like, what is this dad? just not involved in this at all there's something weird about it so i i found out about his dad and his dad his dad used to work one of his first jobs because his dad graduated from harvard and uh, i believe the business the business school at harvard is where he got his graduate degree and his undergrad degree was franklin and marshall college which i think is another elite school i'm not 100 certain on that but his first job out of college was with what is the name of that organization it was with the office of economic opportunity lyndon b johnson's office of economic opportunity and they were responsible for administrating most of the war on poverty programs that lyndon that failed miserably <laughs> failed miserably that lyndon b johnson put in and while he was well it failed there, if you think they really wanted to do what they said they wanted to do Right. But I think they it succeeded in upending society and breaking up black families and giving it, it. I think it was a quite possibly a reaction to the civil rights movement. There's a really offensive quote by LBJ when he was a senator saying, give them 
uh, as the civil rights, give them just enough to keep them quiet, but not enough for them to get anywhere. So getting in there and they targeted the inner cities in order to get people on welfare and that broke up black families really undermined the culture. So I feel like that was their real goal and it was wildly successful. Right. He implemented 14 programs, he says in, in an interview. He implemented like some 14 or so programs associated with drugs while he was working there. So he was very right. much involved in that. And I think if that were out there, that would be something that people would look into more. While he was working there, I believe it's hard to find info on him. From what I could, from what I could find out about his age, he's 68. And I've, I went through a bunch of uh, genealogy sites, and that seemed pretty consistent in all of those. So that would have put him working, starting there in 1971. In 1971, the director of the Office of Economic Opportunity was Donald Rumsfeld. And right after Donald Rumsfeld left, the director was Frank Carlucci, who ended up being the deputy, deputy director of the CIA. So right there, you have... Two, two and contacts. isn't he close to Trump? Isn't Carlucci close to Trump? I don't know. I mean, that would be awesome. That would be just great. <laughs> it was so much more. Oh, let me look. Anyway, keep talking. So right there, we, right there, we automatically have we have we have a father who has at least a couple of connections to the CIA in the very beginning of that, right? And then his next job, because next you job, said okay. Wait, was, did you say Donald Rumsfeld? I mean, I realize he's a yes. deep stater, but was he a CIA guy? No, he wasn't. He wasn't CIA. I'm talking about the other guy, Frank. Right, Frank right, Carlucci, Carlucci. Yeah, who uh, ended up being the deputy director of the CIA, and right. you know, uh, you know, of course, Linda B. Johnson. He worked closely with the CIA to uh, you know rub out Kennedy. Isn't that right? Allegedly. Uh. Who? Who? Wait, I'm, now, I'm trying to look up Frank Carlucci. You're saying what? That George H. W. Bush was no, part Lyndon, of Lyndon B. Johnson. That's who. He, that's oh yeah, who yeah. One of the theories of JFK is that LBJ was the mastermind. I doubt that he was probably yeah. either in on it or <laughs> knew better than to threaten to uh, scatter the CIA into the wind. You yeah. know, like JFK. Yeah. So I, I think it was the CIA, but LBJ was. I'm sure happy enough to take advantage of it. Oh, absolutely. So his next job after there was he worked at the global consulting firm that works with governments and a a big business and CIA assets, McKinsey and Company. Mm -hmm. I mean this is one of the most corrupt global businesses in the world, they're they've been at the center of of like Enron and and uh, all these other like. McKinsey? Yeah. McKinsey. I, I believe you, but it's very prestigious. Like I went to Stanford Business School and like that was you are either an investment banker or a consultant. I was an investment banker and you'd want to work at Goldman Sachs. And if you were a consultant, you'd want to work for McKinsey. I but, found uh, I like believe you. Search. I mean, it's not like Goldman Sachs is above reproach, it's the same thing, I'm sure. But I just there, never heard that, so I'll have to I'll have to uh, I'll say I'll put ear. A number of books and links okay. in the show notes about the level of corruption starting from back in the 70s and 80s that this company was at involved McKinsey, in. McKinsey, really? Yeah, McKinsey. They're, they're secretive. They're global. They, they, a few years ago, they got, they, they got like a $10 million contract for uh, doing something for reshaping the CIA. It's I mean, a funny company. It's a funny – consulting in itself is like a, a, a strange, in my opinion, industry because – what they do is they go, you know, the hugest 
contracts they get, they go into a gigantic organization that has a CEO that's being paid, you know, oftentimes tens of millions of dollars. And then he hires McKinsey for tens of millions of dollars to help him figure out what to do with the company and put everything in place and then go on from there. I've I've been at companies that were restructured by McKinsey and I always thought it was a strange, a a strange industry. It it thrives and and I know they do a lot of good work and apparently bad work too, but uh, yeah, I, it's a very weird, I've always thought it was a weird industry. If you look up some of the scandals they've been involved with, I mean, it's they're they're this, they're somehow connected to some of the biggest scandals of the past yeah. forty years. Like right. every single one of them. It's I totally want to see that because I and, never. I'm, I'm dying to see that. I believe it, hundred percent. I just want to. See yeah, it. connected to the CIA, they're an asset for. I mean, mind you, this is a guy running on small business, right? This is a yeah. guy running on. I am not like Trump. I'm not like Donald <laughs> yes, Trump. Yes, yes, Trump yes, yes, yes. and his father worked for Lyndon B. Johnson implementing this program, who, who he's also Trump's the racist is what everybody says, yet he, his father worked for this uh, Lyndon B. Johnson who implemented these programs, who had a very, very negative effect on the African-American community. And then we have him working for this global consulting firm that's been at the center of so many scandals and has been friend, not to small business, but to big business since, since their inception. See, the thing about being involved with the government that to me is a more of a, a, a hurdle for Republicans who make the claim of wanting small government, or whatever, because the Republicans have an inherent conflict with their own voter base because Republican power seekers want power. Yeah. They want big government and the voters don't. So when you unfold, when you unearth stuff like that about Trump, who who was really connected to the deep state. I don't think there's any way if you, if you really dig in to see his connections with Roy Cohn and his, um, the way he got some, uh, uh, passes when it comes to the casino business. Some, I, I've even read that his sister who was appointed as a federal judge kind of got her judgeship through these kind of deep state back channels. When you reveal that stuff about somebody like Donald Trump, it's it's a deal breaker, which is why it's amazing that CNN did not reveal it. Oh, don't vote for Trump. He's going to we'll, we'll we're going to have to run and hide, says the GOP establishment and yeah. CNN. Yeah, don't vote for Trump because he's bad for the establishment. Why not reveal that uh, those provable connections, which would have actually ruined his career? Whereas when you look at Democrats, a lot of times the stuff that will hurt a Republican won't hurt a Democrat because people like. They like the idea of LBJ's war on poverty, even though it's, you know, if, if he was supposed to, to solve poverty 50 years ago, and we are now in a, in a like, we pay whatever it is, $6 trillion worth of taxes at the state, local, and federal level, there's so much money. I mean, it's, I've done the math. It's for the money that we spend outside of essential services and real defense spending, what we actually need for defense, all that, uh, you could write 50% of the population, every man, woman, and child, in the bottom half of earning a $30,000 a year check, an after-tax check. So so if you're not, if you, we have not won the war on poverty, it, it was either intentionally 
not winnable. Like they, they, it's actually meant to impoverish us, which is what I think it is by taking all that money out of the system and squandering it. I think it's meant to impoverish us. And yeah, then, they do, but yeah. they like it. They think that's good. They think Ossoff's father did that, that yeah. it, it's a good thing. Exactly. Because they believe the glittering generality that they're told they believe what do you mean by that i mean if a glittering generality is is somebody who comes up and says we stand for freedom but doesn't actually give you any concrete definitions of what freedom is and their intent is actually i'm going to take away your rights but i know i have to tell you i'm for freedom so that you can rally for me dude the freedom thing it just drives me crazy it's so generic it's so so generic i'm a libertarian i'm a hardcore i live free or die libertarian and the, and the freedom thing, which is now somehow equated with war, that right. just – and actually, you gave me – I don't know if you realize it – the book that I think launched that, that nexus, like transformed the concept of freedom is that Harold Laswell book, The Yale Guy – yeah. professor who wrote it on behalf of corporations, which was kind of like I'm still trying to puzzle that out, where he writes in that book – it's called national security and individual freedom. And it talks about how, uh, you know, how in order to protect individual freedom, we need to change the way our politics works, make um, opaque committees within the Senate, within Congress, so that people don't have real access that, that the general Congress, everything doesn't make the decisions. So, so when we hear committees say that was an invention, a deliberate invention laid out by this guy, uh, Harold Laswell, um, who was paid to figure it out. And he, so the, the whole, it was intentional in my opinion to conflate, I think with the word would be the idea of freedom with this idea of security, which, which at that time really just meant uh, Cold War and big defense spending. Exactly. And they take the terms and they just – they leave them general and they, they they justify whatever they do and they just call it freedom. But it's but it's actually has nothing to do with it. It has nothing like, to do with it's it. It's not just generality. It's like Orwellian newspeak. It's that yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's actually the opposite. It's simply the opposite, simply. And that's why they do it like that. They right. tell you it's not you, – you think you – Freedom is worth, uh, you know, fighting for whatever. Like you, freedom isn't free. You need to sacrifice your rights if you want freedom. It's like wait. Right. It, yeah. So here's John. <laughs> That's the opposite John, of freedom. <laughs> John Ossoff's his campaign. One of his campaign slogans filled with glittering generalities. I'm running for Congress because I believe we all have to stand up right now, fight for progress, for prosperity, for health, and our civil rights and civil liberties and our security. <laughs> he, I mean. It gives us no concrete. He's like, it's fight for health. Right, it's, fight it's, for health. It's like the environmental thing. It's like, you know, we need to fight these people who want to cut off and cut down all the trees and ignite all yeah. the remaining oxygen. You know, the, the suicidal people who don't understand right. that, you know, water, we need water to drink. They hate water and oxygen. They hate water. I know. But no, we need to promise, you know, we need, we need health. Which Trump- in itself is a euphemism for abortion. I mean, I'm not... Yeah. Even trying to be controversial, it's just women's health is this euphemism for abortion, which is just, right. you know what I mean? Like, these are what you call dog whistling. Is that right? Yeah, that's a dog whistling term. Yeah, I just feel like, oh, you, like to, to say health 
Yeah, just for him to just throw out this glittering generality of health means so much to the left. Whereas to the right, you know, what does health mean? Well, it means that I'm healthy, you know, but, but even to that, even to the left, it means spending on, in Obamacare's case, health insurance, which I suspect is inversely correlated with actual health. Like there's this thing called the Hispanic paradox yeah. where people from a whole variety of countries south of the border with totally different diets and habits and um, cultures and everything. When they come to this country, they tend to not speak the language. So they can't, they're not exposed to the propaganda. They're overweight. They don't go to the doctor and they live longer. They have a, a several year longer life expectancy That's crazy. and it's called the hispanic paradox like people are scratching their head i wonder why and some some like alternative medicine doctors like because modern pharmaceuticals kill you, <laughs> you know? right. or that, that doctor kind of- a doctor's then killed Oh, yes. Well, the, the doctor, one of the doctors I was listening to was literally run out of the country. She now practices, I think, out of Costa Rica. She was like a Harvard and Princeton educated doctor, and she stopped using pharmaceuticals, yeah. and, uh, and, and her patients stopped dying. This is, I mean, I don't know. I have absolutely no way to verify this. It does seem a little, uh, you know, an extravagant claim, but, and then her further claim was that she was um, really harassed. I don't even know. She might even have lost her license because they were saying she wasn't practicing real medicine because she wasn't following the protocols, which require that she give people <laughs> all these pills. She was so uh, interesting. Uh, I forget her name, but I'll put it in the show notes. I think I've talked about this before, but there's a guy who was a, a military doctor who almost won a, a was it a, a Pulitzer? What is that prize? Writing. There's the Nobel Prize. And- Not a few, Nobel. It's a Nobel. That's what it was. Yeah. He almost won a Nobel Prize until he started experimenting with how to – like he figured out what chromosome needed to be switched in our bodies to make us heal better and potentially regenerate limbs, and he was able to do it in a frog. And once he was able to do that, he lost his funding. Completely <laughs> lost his fund. He could never regain it. He had to start working on like the outskirts. But how of the can country. you be sure that's true? See, that's the thing that when it gets into science, it's almost impossible for me to know to be able to verify that. Right. I mean, I'm not going to cut off a limb and try it or anything. <laughs> he recommends in his book, but his book is called uh, I can't remember his book, but his, his book is uh, his book's really good. I'll find out the name of it and I'll link it in the in the show notes because it's it's, it's really really interesting. The guy has a lot of credibility. He's not he's not yeah, one of those people who are easy to discredit. Um, so just to, just to kind of sum up before we go into uh, his father's uh, last thing I want to point out is we have John Ossoff who's promoted as a relentless warrior against corruption, an investigative filmmaker who who has taken on corrupt foreign officials, right? His company was it's actually it's located in London. It was started by a foreign person who maybe maybe he's not considered a foreign official, but he started the company back in in ninety one. Ossoff didn't get attached to the company until two thousand thirteen when he got inheritance from his grandfather. They then attached the company to or they associated it with this nonprofit that his dad helped him start. And his mom started a super PAC, which is dark money. It's what that is. She started a super PAC years ago, which she's, she's the head of, and she has a prominent role in. She also used to be a consultant. She also went to the London School of Economics. His father went to Harvard. Now, this is somebody fighting against elitism, right? 
mind you, this is somebody yes. fighting against the league. Yes. He, um, he, he went to this really expensive private school. His best friend, or at least it seems like his best friend, is, he has this picture of him and John Lewis in every single campaign ad and every single image on his website. It might as well say, and he has a black friend. That's what it might as well say. He's endorsed. Well, he did work for Hank Johnson, who is black in Georgia. That's true. I mean, there must, I, in all honesty, I mean, I'm sure there's, uh, you know, gets your bona fides in the democratic circles to be able to, because identity politics is so important. Exactly. And it's hard to get, you know, they, they count on that uh, voting blocks, identity-based voting blocks. And I think Hillary could not count on the black vote for good reason. And, uh, but I think they still care a lot about that. I've seen Nancy Pelosi walk arm in arm with John Lewis just to give her credibility. It's, yeah. It's so, it's so ridiculous. It just, I told him. I mean, so ridiculous. You got cut out for a second. It's so ridiculous too. Uh, I think that would insult John Lewis that everybody uses. He him plays as, into it. I mean, right. that's his only thing is that he was around for the real civil rights act. I mean, he can. He is still, I think, riding on that. Yeah, nobody can insult John Lewis. God forbid. Right. It's like John McCain. So, yeah. You know. He so was he, a, this guy fights corruption. Oh, sorry. The, it, the technical uh, thing cut out a little bit. We're still working on that. Go. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so his dad worked for McKinsey, a uh, pretty corrupt agency, worked for that government agency, the War on Poverty, the Office of Economic Development, which is now defunct. And he also was the president of what's called the Specialized Information Publishers Association. He's now in their Hall of Fame. I, I've been trying to find out what that is. <laughs> He's probably the only member. There's a lot of members, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and the, these the press releases of of this specialized information publish, uh, publishers association and of Stratford Publications show up in a WikiLeaks search because people at was it Stratford is that the global intelligence thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. WikiLeaks? Stratford. Yeah. yeah, a bunch of people that work there are they they're subscribed to the Stratford publication newsletters and go to their webinars, so. His dad actually shows up in a WikiLeaks search. Wait, so his father's company sounds like the same name as Stratford. It does sound like the same name, but it's Stratford Publications. Got it. And the description of them is that they're a leading national publisher of legal, business, and healthcare information services, including the most complete and current report on health, law, and litigation. And they offer web webinars for people to kind of help people best best utilize these services, which again I have no problem with. But when you're going up against Trump, who's you know everybody got pissed off because he's gaming the system, and then you teach yeah, people so how to what game do you the think, system. So what? Let's conclude with your assessment of where you think this guy's career is headed. Where do you think his what's what are his goals? Why does he want the sixth so bad? Why is he put, being put in place? What do you expect from this guy over the long haul? If he's able to improve his his lying ability that we noted he was working on earlier. <laughs> he most certainly will. He's in double A right now. He hasn't reached the majors yeah, of lying yeah. yet. If he improves that, he'll probably eventually get elected. He might even win this time because the one thing that he does agree with Trump on, can you yeah. can you guess what it is? Well, maybe two things, but locally. Infrastructure spending. Yes, yes. <laughs> one thing he agrees with Trump on is infrastructure spending. That's because, why he might win. That's why Republicans 
elected Trump because of infrastructure spending, yes. which I believe will be the only campaign promise he delivers on infrastructure spending beloved by Republican voters from coast to coast. We have a mayor that's taken us into a, into being a smart city. John Ossoff uh, would be the congressperson to do that. So he, he could win because yeah. of that. I well, think Atlanta that potato when it comes to UN stuff. I mean, and right. stuff disappears. Like research I have done in the past, those searches, you can't find stuff very deep in those sustainable city pages or ICLEI, I-C-L-E-I, or strong cities like you. The uh, evidence I once had, I mean, I I remember it. I have probably ever written down my notes, but right. you can't, it's hard to find it when you search for it now, have deep read and Atlantic go. And uh, yeah, so that's a good point. Actually, this is a place where it's kind of a globalism uh, ground zero or a, lo- a globalism station, a main station, a, a base. Yeah. I, I think you nailed it. I think they're trying to, flip. I mean, the, the whole thing with this campaign is let's flip the six. They're trying to make Georgia more liberal. Yeah, they're, and they're really, and, and this was just the one headline I saw this week about the Supreme Court strikes down North Carolina districts as illegally based on race. So <clears throat> Tom, Clarence Thomas joined with the liberals on the court to tell North Carolina had to redistrict. But North Carolina has been in the crosshairs over and over again. I think it's being sold out by its own elected officials I think North Carolina is one they're really trying to flip from red to blue. Yeah. And, uh, and you'd never would have, I said long ago, if Hillary, if Hillary wins Georgia, your problem isn't going to be that I criticize, you know, Trump and the campaign. Your problem is going to be that Georgia is flipping, you know, for real from Republican to Democrat. I thought that was far fetched, but I now see they're really focusing on the South across the board anyway. They just hate the culture and, uh, and they're using history as a way to just undermine it. Right. But I saw, I saw, I mentioned it before when we did what to watch out for, whatever North Carolina is in the crosshairs, but that's it's hand in hand with what I see happening in the sixth of yeah. this nationwide effort to it turn really red areas blue. And one more thing about his family. The only picture uh, – his parents are both major donors to the Democratic Party. They have been for years, and the only picture I can actually find of his dad was his dad and his mom at some party where a bunch of yacht owners were, were meeting <laughs> each other. They own a family yacht. Do they really? Yes. That's big. I this only guy, knew one person ever had a yacht, and he was a billionaire. Right, this grungy investigative reporter entrepreneur you know, built <laughs> up his business. His like doppelganger, Jared Kushner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He can mm-hmm. uh, he can yeah. make the claim that he studies climate change. He studies the rising sea levels from the the the, the from the crow's nest of his yacht. yacht. Yeah, <laughs> with his designer flak jacket. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, life jacket. Like his Jared has his flak flak jacket. So funny. So that's about, well, his dad was also part of an anti-Parkway group in the 80s called Caution. I don't really know what that is yet. I'm having a hard time finding info on it. But the whole thing, his, his, his parents seem like they've been so closely associated with big business, big money, and, and governmental agency assets for about 30 years or so, 30 or 40 years, actually. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, this guy is obviously a highly crafted uh 
whatever, rising political star. That's how it works. He's a product. He's a he's the Hannah Montana of uh, he really <laughs> is. It really shows how if you get enough money behind, I mean, you can put eight million dollars behind a shoe and get people oh, to yeah. rally it's behind. Like Pygmalion, you could take or trading places. Like you could take anybody and it, and just make them happen. I've heard exactly. that about pop music. Like if if someone hears a song enough times, they will like it or think it's good or like hum it. Yeah. So you don't have to like get a radio station to like your song to play it. They play it and people will like it. So you have to just pay them to play your song. <laughs> you don't have to. I don't think I, I don't know what ha- actually happens, but. And you can't get away from the songs either. They come through every single device that you yeah. have. But you can just be pushed. You know, liking someone, familiarity, all that can be pushed on you. So people uh-huh. who think Ossoff is not like you want to take a shower after you hear one of his awful, contrived Obama imitations, and they're just like, oh, isn't he great? It's like, no, he's lying to you. Look at him. He's lying to you. Anyway, so I shouldn't like- say I don't impugn him personally. I'm saying more generally when you see – uh, that kind of bad acting and you don't see it for yourself, which happens so often in left-right politics, you just don't see the ridiculousness in front of you. It's because your mind is just so conditioned to accept right. on your side and reject. It happens on both sides. It's not this guy or left. It's both sides. Anyway, so that's it, shall we? Is that uh, anything else? Anything that's else? all I got on Nassau. I know it's a bit scattered, but... Uh... Uh, that's okay. It was an excellent... First foray into the live propaganda report, which I think we should commit to uh, 6 to 7 p.m. every Wednesday, Pacific uh, Eastern Time, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, every Wednesday, uh, live, if you want to do it. I'm, I'm in if you're in, Finkler. Yeah, I'm on board. All right, so this Saturday, we have the live WSB show. And uh, next Wednesday, we'll be back with a live propaganda report at 6 p.m. Eastern. Thanks, guys. Bye. Have you had enough? Have you had enough? Of the rubber stamp. Have you had enough? The wire tag.